Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I'm talk to me as well. Yes, I'm in front of the cottage cheese section at the social Safeway, and they have some. Would you like some? I think I'm just going to get you some. And while I was giving you that message, some bloke came up into the last two four percent. Well, go ahead. So, so that story. So then I, I, I was like, as I looked in, I was like, oh, there's more. Oh no, it's just the two percent. He literally took the last two. Lo- it's small curd, maybe. Yeah, small curds. That's I want small curd. So I had Losers. to chase Eat down small curd. Losers. <laughs> this is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. All righty then. We're going to do a lot of email today down the road on Lucerne Cottage Cheese. We're going to start with other email. Got this nice note from Jolene Wojcik. You know, and Nigel, when you saw that it was from Jolene, you assumed what? Masters. That it's something to do with the masters. Yes. So, Mr. Tony, if you were receiving an invitation from me in March about attending an event in early April, you might think, hey, Jolene is inviting me to attend the Masters Golf Tournament with her, and you would be mistaken. (laughs) Please accent this invitation from me. I don't know what that means to accent an invitation. To accept? Accept, maybe. Yeah, well, it doesn't say that. Um, From me and uh, the man to whom I'm related by marriage, to the wedding of our daughter, Jessica Elizabeth, to Neil, K-I-L-C-H-R-I-S-T-E. Now, it can't be Kilchrist. Nobody could name somebody that. Kilchristy is all I could think of. Right. You know, because that's, on Saturday, April 2nd, that's coming up. Like it's really coming up, like it's in three days. (laughs) At 2 o'clock at St. Mary's Cathedral in Grand Island, Nebraska. Our priest was named a bishop last June, so Bishop James Golka will be the celebrant at the wedding. Since you're on the other side of the street, that may not mean much to you, but certainly a big deal to us. A reception, dinner, and dancing will follow at the Riverside Golf Club. Prime rib is on the menu, and cocktails will be flowing, including lots of red wine and Johnny Walker Blue. You can bring your clubs along. We'll get around in before the wedding as we are praying for Sonny and 70. So Strasbourg, believe me. <laughs> the following Wednesday, I will head to Augusta. I'm absolutely exhausted for a variety of reasons I won't get into here. And I decided to skip the Masters this year, but I had a dream. Actually, it was a nightmare that Freddie Couples announced right before the tournament this would be his last Masters, and I wasn't there to witness it. The very next day, I booked my flight. I'm a Freddie fan, like Michael. I'm so looking forward to some egg salad and pimento cheese sandwiches, some sunny weather, and seeing old friends. So please join us in Grand Island for the wedding. It's a little late for me to try to get there. (laughs) And if you can get Bootsy or the Hammer to Augusta, I'll take them into the Masters. Badge holders can bring kids in up to age 16 for free. Isn't that great, I'm speechless. Right. Did you not? You didn't know that? I did I not know that. That's I'm, trying to, I'm trying to look up plane tickets right now, see if I can bring them on as carry-on. <laughs> so we wish uh, Jessica and Neil all the best. It's obviously going to be this Saturday yeah. in Nebraska. Be Thank lovely. you yes, very congratulations. much for all of that. Lovely. Appreciate it very, very much. Jolene is a great friend of the show. A couple of other small emails here. Hey, Tony, PG here. Don't know if you do this, but DG has a birthday on April 16th. I know I'd get a kick out of you mentioning this. He spends more time listening to you than he does to me. Besides, it's cheaper than a Hallmark card. Thanks. DG's better half. We're involved in this family now. Wodehouse? We're all the way in in this family. Yeah, PG Wodehouse. PG. It's DG and PG. What can we do? We're in. Yes, we're in now. We're just in. This is from Greg Garcia. Yes, that Greg Garcia. I'm reading this for the first time. Arson confession. (laughs) Arson confession. 
When I was nine, I discovered that you could burn holes in things using a magnifying glass. So armed with this tidbit, I hopped on my bike one Sunday morning and hit the town in search of dry leaves. Eventually, I found myself in front of a dumpster at Nottingham Elementary School, staring at a pile of papers perched on top of the various other trash. It was all too tempting, and before I knew it, the magnifying glass was aimed at Mrs. Klein's third-grade lesson plan, doing what God intended it to do. <laughs> However, instead of burning a little hole, the papers caught flame. I blew on it, which made it worse, so I did what any self-respecting nine-year-old would do. I hopped on my huffy bike, hightailed it out of there. When I got back to my house, I turned on the TV and sat quietly near my father, who was reading the paper. In the distance, sirens could be heard. And as they got louder, my father put down the style section. He said, sounds like they're getting close to here. You want to go see what's going on? Sure, I said with a gulp. Sure. When we got to the school, two fire trucks were attempting to put out the now roaring fire. The smoke was black. The contents inside was popping and sizzling. The exterior paint was melting. It was literally a dumpster fire. My father and I joined the small crowd and watched the firemen do their job. As the adults shared theories about how something like this could happen, I was sure someone would see my heart beating underneath my Buster Brown T-shirt. Eventually, the fire was extinguished, and my father turned to me and said, Hey, since we're already out, do you want to walk over to Baskin-Robbins and have some ice cream? Love to, I answered. I learned a valuable lesson that day. Stay calm and admit nothing. I'm not sure what statute of limitations there is for arson, but it's, if it's more than 43 years, this story is totally made up. Your pal, Greg Garcia. It's just lovely. He's going to be in town next week. He's going to get the Distinguished Alumni Award from Frostburg State University. That's fantastic. So let me know if Nigel, Nigel needs someone to pick up the bagels for him. Who else do you think is a distinguished alum from Frostburg State? It's got to be some. I, I'm sure there's a few. I don't know their alumni list, but I would think Greg has to be at the very top of that list. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Longwood wants him to be the commencement speaker. <laughs> Greg's number one. Sure. Yes. All right. So a couple of stories. Uh, one story, and then, and then we'll get to Tiger Woods. So I know Michael wants to talk about the tea leaves on Tiger Woods. I got a letter the other day from Easy Pass, and it said that my account number has a negative balance of $16.44. The letter continues, unfunded Easy Pass accounts with a negative balance are set to inactive status. While in, while in inactive status, trips on Maryland toll roads are then charged at the higher video toll rate and not counted toward commuter discount plans. And it says, go to this website to fund your account immediately. And I'm not going to websites. All right, I'm too old to go to websites. I'm going to talk to a person. To there be fair, a, the, the Maryland Easy Pass website is confusing. All websites to me are confusing because, A, I don't know how to get on them. And, B, when I get on them, I wonder why I'm on them. Right. So there was a phone number. And I followed a series of prompts and got to a point where I could talk to a real person, which is much better for me because I have real questions. My number one question was... <clears throat> How could this have happened? I've had an easy pass for 10 to 12 years. I've said on the show a number of times, I think it's one of the greatest inventions in history. And I never got billed before, so I assumed that I was somehow paying for this. Because if I wasn't somehow paying for this, it would be hundreds of dollars by now, maybe $1,000. I don't, I don't sure. have any idea. And somebody would have come after me. I mean, that's the compact you make with the state is that you assume you're good. Because if you're not good, they want your money, right? Everybody assumes that. Yeah, and you've seen issues with EasyPass, particularly in this area where they have fluctuating prices, and, and it's gotten out of hand for a lot of consumers. So I think there's been much more scrutiny over what the pricing is, so there's been better communication to you, the consumer. So I get someone on the phone, and I say, you know, I'm happy to pay this. What happened? And she said, your credit card expired. I said, oh, okay, 
I'll give you a new credit card. Uh, fine. But I'd like to know something. I haven't used this thing in months. Haven't used it. I'd like to know what license plates are on this particular account. I want to know if I recognize them. And her exact words to me were, six license plates are on this account. My head blew up. Six. I don't own six cars. No. I don't own six. I said, could you read me the license plates, please? And the first three she read were Carol's car, my car, and Michael's car. Okay. Sure. I'm good with that. The next three, BA6500, I don't know what that is, SH8726, we're not even in the S's yet in D.C. So that's got to be another state. And the next one was another state, T973923, Maryland. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Someone is stealing from me. Someone is using my card to pay for their stuff. And she said, no one is stealing from you. And I'm thinking, well, how do you know this? How do you know this? But in any case, I said, would you remove those last three? She said, yes, I will remove them right now. So now I figure I'm good. But if I hadn't talked to someone, how would I ever know this? Yeah. See, the problem with websites is they just tell you what to do to get even. But they don't explain how this could have happened. Uh, no, if you actually were on the website, you could have found this out really? years sooner. Oh. And you could well, have turned off those other licenses. <laughs> I, I feel like there's been a couple of accusations uh, thrown my way. You mentioned three cars. The car that you mentioned is Michael's car, is your car that I'm stewarding. I'm taking care the of Cadillac. now. Yeah. yeah, it is our station car to get the kids to yeah. preschool. Well, All right. well I said so it was okay. That is reasonable. If you, were, if you were on the website and were enrolled in their program, you could see exactly what tolls are, are you using? Because I assume you have an automatic threshold where if you get to below like $25, $25. it's like an automatic yeah. $75. They replenish at $25, yeah. off, yes. which makes sense. So you're, you're willing to go down that, down that roll. Uh, now, what I, what I wonder about is how did those license plates get on? I don't think someone's just plugging in your transponder number. I'm wondering if at some point you used another car, you took out your transponder, you say put it in that car temporarily, went on the toll road, and then it somehow gets added to your to sort of your account as doesn't a way. sound like something I would do. It's certainly but if you possible. Had a, if you had a rental car or if you had a car for like a loaner yeah. car from the dealership and it was a Maryland yeah. plate, because yeah. what happens is a lot of people but I rarely say, go on hey, I've been robbed by this. It means, hey, you know, my kid took my car, they went up to Baltimore and yeah. it didn't read properly, so I don't want to pay the higher rate. That's, you know, all of that may well be true, but I was sort of spiked. But now I think I'm good. I think, yo, yes, yeah. I'm, I gave him a new credit card. I made up the number. No, I'm kidding. It actually <laughs> How many more digits card. do you need? I just would love to see if you're trying to go out to the beach this spring and you get stopped on the Bay Bridge. I'd like to know. Yeah, how I think I'm good now. Can now, you share with everyone how you use the Easy Pass? Is it a, is it affixed to the front of your windshield? No, I hold it in my hand and then you hold and it I up. hold it out when I see you know the series of the scanners. Yeah, I guess, and I hold it up so they will see it. But I don't even think you need to do that now. No. I think it How sort of automatically gets your plate. How huh? far in advance do you hold up the easy pass? Mile or two. I take it out about two miles out, and I got it in my right hand. I'm ready, You're ready to, to go. go. Ready to go. You think that's funny? I, it's just one of it's a it's a good memory I have of you. Yeah, I hold it up, and <laughs> you, know, you like to go through. I get a yeah. sense of of where the tolls are. Most roads I'm taking, I've taken before. Right. I'm not an adventuresome person. <laughs> Let's get to Tiger Woods. I had heard a huh T Dubs. Yeah, T Dubs, as you and Wilbon. <laughs> the tail signature of his plane. Um, oh, is that right? T-dubs. That's how people were tracking him. Oh, okay. So, so I got a call from someone who shall be nameless, a friend of mine, about a week ago. Not a call, a text, who said, 
Tiger's going to play nine at Augusta next week to see if he's ready to go. So this was in the wind for me. Um, I did not ask how this person knew this because I knew how this person knew this. We won't discuss that on any level. But he has friends who would tell him this. So then it turns out that yesterday there was, we had a news story at PTI that Tiger was, in fact, supposed to go out and play. And he did. He did play. Um, I guess there were no reporters on the course. I guess nobody was sure about this. I think he played with Justin Thomas. And his son, Charlie. And it was confirmed by one of the sources was a short game specialist, uh, James Ritter. Uh, you might know okay. from Instagram. Okay. Not you, other yeah. golfers. So did Tiger take Joe LaCava with him? He has. Okay. Joey's been traveling. And Joey was down in South Florida, too. That's right. He had... What I also found out was he was using his caddy, Joe LaCava, at Medalist, his own club that he was walking. Tiger's not playing to see if he's any good. Tiger's playing to see the stress on his leg, okay? Because as my friend said, Tiger could go around Augusta in less than 80 with three clubs. He could do this. Anyway, I also think he played with Justin Thomas, mm -hmm. and Justin Thomas had bones with him, I assume. I believe so. Okay, so that's the grouping. Justin Thomas adores Tiger and vice versa. Adores, all the young players adore Tiger. Phil is out. Phil said, take me out. I'm done. Not this year. Tiger never said, take me out. What will Tiger do in your mind? Uh, right now, I'm already looking at the, the extended forecast, and the weather for Augusta looks like it's going to be hot, warm, you know, not going to have big chance of cold weather starts, which I think would be one of the things that would put him behind the eight ball just to start. So again, you have to come back to he plays in he plays in Florida. He plays in a cart. Walking down there is not going to be the same as walking the terrain. And everyone says the first time you see Augusta in person, Tilly. you realize how much uh, of the slope there is when you're coming up nine, when you're going down ten, yeah. when you're making that return up from 18. Amen Corner and you're going back towards uh, marching up towards the 18th. So. I think he really wants to play. He he has. I do too. He has dropped out of this tournament basically the night before. I mean, you know, it's sometime in the week leading up to it, and they let you do that. This is not. And I made this point on PTI to Wilbon. This is not the PGA Tour. This is not the U.S. Open. The Masters does what the Masters does. You can tell them until the day before you're going to play or not play. They're okay with that. And with Tiger, you can tell them that morning because they want. Tiger, it's just, we all do. It's just amazing. In, in one year, we're you know just about a year removed from the from the accident. Thirteen and months, you, and you look at how he's moved the needle with one swing, where he just goes making progress, and then the idea of people <clears throat> tracking his private plane as it makes a way to is, a, is to that what air. they did? Yes, you're looking at the flight path. Uh, so I think he's. I think he wants to play. I I think looking at the forecast and everything, unless he unless he wakes up and goes, my body can't move and I can't sustain that for even two rounds, which you could get through some practice rounds and and do nine holes here, nine holes there. He knows the course obviously better than almost any other player right now. I think this is really about the 2023 Masters, and he wants to see what he can do with this and use this as the litmus test for that year. So my feeling is, if he just played one round, played 18, I don't care if he shoots 90. Just go out and play. Everybody's happy. But I'm wondering, is this the litmus test for St. Andrews? Yeah. Which I, is this summer, which is flat. So the, the reason is, St. Andrews, this might be the last time he plays it as a competitive golfer. That's right. Now, whether, how you define competitive based on his injuries Can is you up win? to you. Can but you he, he'll play one more time at St. Andrews in the Rota as his farewell tour, which we see all the winners of that do. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he really wants to circle. He wants to become the oldest 
player to win at Augusta. I don't know if he'll, he'll ever be able to catch Phil with, with the 51 at the PJ last year, but I think you use this to try and see, can I get to St. Andrews? And then can I try and circle 23 to actually be competitive here? It's exciting, right? Oh, it's, here's it's what's, exciting. Here's what's so, you look at He's a month. by far the most popular guy still. But you look at a month where we've seen the largest purses ever on tour, and it's, they become utterly forgettable when you think about the idea of Tiger coming back to play Augusta. And I, I'm a huge golf fan. I can't, I don't understand what this might be like for casual fans who are, who are used to tuning in, say for the last, now it's 10 years ago, used to tuning in and be like, is Tiger in contention this this is that same buildup. we'll take a break uh, when we come back greg cody has right. talked to us about a whole bunch of things in miami that have maybe changed since the last time he talked about one thing in miami the brian flores lawsuit i'm tony kornheiser i'm mark chapman welcome to the planet premier league podcast each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Don Stewart, who writes here a couple of songs from my Volume 32 album that was just released. The names of the songs are Good Night and In a Vacuum. They're both pretty depressing, but I like them mainly because I've always liked depressing songs. I've been trying to listen to your podcast almost every day, and as always, it's the best. I don't watch the news anymore because I feel like I can find out what's really important by just listening to your show. My wife, Marilyn, feels the same way. I'm flattered by that, but I would watch the news. I even watch the news. <laughs> Um, this is called Good Night, and it was allegedly uh, to play in Greg Cody from the Miami Herald. But Greg's not here. Like, we don't have Greg. And I can't ask Michael to play Greg and answer all of these questions about, first of all, the collapse of the Miami Heat and the combustible Jimmy Butler. Can't ask you to do that. And second of all, the trade Tyreek Hill from Kansas City to Miami for all the draft choices in the world and how that affects the Dolphins and how it affects the status of their starting quarterback, Tua, Tonka Vailoa. And I can't ask Michael about what's going on with the Brian Flores lawsuit and, and does it help or hurt that Brian Flores got hired as an assistant coach by the Pittsburgh Steelers? As Michael could give answers, but... Yeah, you know, I don't think his your Greg Cody impersonation isn't it's that still still in you're progress. Working on it, working right? on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're not going to have that. Um, it does give me an opportunity to to read a bunch of emails, but I think uh, there are some people who think that we read too many emails. What I, do you think? I don't I sort of like email. Yeah, I don't. I don't get those notes. I'm going to read a few. Just a few this in this segment. And yeah. oh, can we'll I, can I say thank you from my wife? Yes. What so happened? we got we got to watch the uh, the PTI in Sports Center. Thank you. Uh, you mentioned oh, that Wilbon and I are obliged to do contractual. You mentioned Liz as a, as you said in your household. You have a Dookie and your daughter in law and uh, her father Chan. I they mentioned actually, Liz and Chan. They can't they can sit together when they watch Duke and Carolina. Except Chan for every big game refuses to watch. He goes to another room and turns the game off and just assumes the worst. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. You well, should see crazy. this. During baseball season, well, that turns the Red Sox off. Well, it's insane. Well, you're not a fan then. You're just you're paralyzed. Now, the only bummer was we were sort of hoping that because you did this uh, shout out on Monday, that it would be re-aired as uh, PTI specials sometimes get re-aired yesterday. But no, we had to go back to the DVR for it. I made the shout out on the on the the by name shout out was on 
Sports Center, though, we have no control over Sports Center right. as to what they do or what they don't do. Anyway, from Dave Williams in Wellston, Ohio. Back in the summer of 1996, me and a group of friends ventured down to Virginia Beach for some sun and some recreational drinking. One night we went to a local bar that some of the locals told us was a dance bar. We went there because the ladies of the group wanted to go dancing. When I went up to the bar to order the first round, the bartender said to me, do you want me to put these on your tab, Mike? I looked at him confused for a split second and answered, yeah, thanks, man, and walked away with the drinks. My name's not Mike. <laughs> we stayed till the bar was closed that night. Thanks for giving me the platform to purge my guilt and say sorry to whomever Mike was. That's Dave Williams in Wellston. It's an Ohio. easy pass situation. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> From Lee on. Berman in Big Canoe, <laughs> Georgia. Your license plate. <laughs> in 1983, as a freshman at the American University, I broke my ankle sliding into third base during an intramural softball game. A few weeks later, I had to go to Georgetown University Hospital for a follow-up appointment, and my fraternity brother wheeled me out to the car in a wheelchair that belonged to the hospital. I said, throw that wheelchair in the trunk so I can use it around campus. Later that night, I received a call from the D.C. police telling me to return the wheelchair the next day or they'd be coming to campus to arrest me. When I asked how they'd gotten my dorm room phone number, I was told they'd call my parents in Florida. Ugh. That's right. My dad sold me out. <laughs> Needless to say, the next day, that wheelchair was back in its rightful home at Georgetown Hospital. My 79-year-old dad still loves to tell that story. Please tell Georgetown alum Edith Saliza that I said hi. <laughs> Eric Robbins, Silver Spring, Maryland. I love the phrase, what are you proud of? So many things. Wrecking my dad's car when I was 14, eating 120 oysters at the Old Ebbett Oyster Riot. The Old Ebbett is great. Yes. And perhaps most important, winning my fantasy league football uh, league, winning the league for the 2004-2005 season. Let me frame the story. It was an up-and-down season against some veterans in the field, titans of touchdowns, waiver wizards, me not so much, but against all odds, I made it to the championship game. My fantasy team was completely overmatched. Injuries and poor lineup decisions made it harder. I didn't have enough good scoring players to counter the deficit that was starting to mount on that final Sunday of the regular season. But I had Mike Vrabel as one of my defensive players. In the Patriots' final game of the season against the 49ers, Belichick lined Vrabel up in the tight end slot. And he scored on a one-yard touchdown pass from the GOAT. It was just enough to overcome the gap and win my one fantasy football championship. That's what I'm most proud of. Eat it, Dustin. Shout out to Ryan Grover for finally turning me into a little after 20 years of PTI. Did we ask for things people are proud of? I'm not sure we or did. Or was that another podcast that somebody else did? It's unsolicited. Uh, Dave in Mount Holly, Must be really New Jersey. Proud. Vox Populi and Sub Rosa. What? Do I need to learn Latin now to listen to your podcast? Yes. Did I tune into the Louise Gluck show? <laughs> Do I need to go out and buy a Subaru? What am I even doing here? How's this? From Jason Anschutz in Fargo, North Dakota. A coworker is celebrating his birthday today, and for some reason, when he told me his age, I thought to myself, that's a lot younger than Cindy Boren. <laughs> Trent Tallman, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, temporarily. I believe I was named the official military dog handler of the show when my dog and I visited Chatter. He encloses a picture. I'm currently in Warsaw, in Poland, working. Wanted to give a hotel review I thought you'd enjoy. We're staying at the Nobu Hotel Warsaw. My room has two bathrobes, heated toilet seat, bidet, and heated floors in the bathroom. It appears I may be over here for a little while. After six years of trying, I finally hit the lottery for the Masters. So if you know anyone who could use four tickets for Tuesday's practice round, let me know. I got my son across the table from me, <laughs> giving me that look uh, from Trent Tallman. I take a couple days off. <laughs> Matt Riegler in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Just wanted to let you know I started doing pottery a couple of years ago. 
It's fun. Okay. Thanks for the update. You know, yeah. I, you know. Those are the ones we love. Yeah. From Rob Peterson. I'm from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I was needing a new car, and I couldn't decide which one. I decided to buy a Subaru. I hate Subarus, but I did it out of spite. Eat it, old man. <laughs> it's aimed at me. It's wonderful. And one more. From Matthew in Baltimore. Could you have DG give me a call? He'll know what it's in reference to. Bring it. He's taking over the show. Ann Hornaday will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. One more time, we have Don Stewart, who writes, As always, thank you for playing my songs. I know you sometimes get a little annoyed when I say it, but I still can't believe you play my songs. It means more to me than I can say in words. Maybe someday I'll write a song about your show. I may not be as good as Dan Byrne, <laughs> but I could still try. Don Stewart. Michael, if original musicians like Don Stewart want to send us their music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. And this is called In a Vacuum, and it plays in Ann Hornaday. And we couldn't get in touch with Ann last week before the Oscars. It didn't work out scheduling. As it turns out, this is far better than talking to Ann as a preview of the Oscars. Because now you have what Bobby Thompson would call the slap heard round the world. And it continues to be in the news. It continues to be in the nightly news and continues to be in the newspapers. And where were you physically watching the Oscars? Oh, my. I was in my living room. Okay. All with the fire going. And, you know, I was cozy. And what we were doing, what the Post does during these events is we, we live blog them. And so I was... I was working you know i mean i'm trying to kind yeah. of think of things smart things to say and you know things to contribute to this blog um so yeah i was just in my living room watching it on tv like most most of america well not me because i bagged the oscars early but but anyway i saw it the next day as everybody in america has seen it by now what did you think of it when it happened in real time for you um I think my mind went first to stunt. Yes. And then Yes. And then when they went to ABC logo or whatever they went to, you know, they when they cut away, that told me that was serious. And then when we were all watching Will Smith mouth the words, you know, yes. when they cut yes. the sound and it was clear what he was saying that I I my feeling was that it was deadly serious, yeah. In that moment then, what did you think or what do you think should have happened? What should have happened? Because he received his Oscar, which he earned. He totally earned it, but he received that significantly later in the show, right? Yeah, what should have happened? You know, it didn't feel later to me, but you're right. You know, right. yes. I, but, but it's so easy to second guess like what they should have done because like, A... Right. Nothing like that had ever happened. You know, nobody was prepared for that. I don't think there's any contingency plan for that. 
they were, my understanding is there was a lot of scrambling backstage, A, to make sure Chris Rock was okay. And, you know, I guess... I, I'm extending, I'm probably, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being kind of wimpy about this whole thing. I'm just sort of, it just was so out of character for him. It's not like he, Will Smith is a serial puncher-outer, you know? I mean, everybody yeah. has indicated this was utterly out of character for him. And just uh, uh, just one of the most, you know, regrettable, you know, that's I know it's a soft word, but it's just it was just such a distressing, upsetting moment that... I, you know, and the, and then then you've got Chris Rock in a way, who sets the tone by by just literally bouncing back, and keeping the show going. And so I feel like, I think people really took his cue. You know, like okay, that happened. Let's keep going. And what a pro! Um, but that might have sent the signal that we're going to keep going. You know, okay. and so I, I, I think I understand. I mean, now when you look back at the tape and you see people giving standing ovations and like really eager to move on, you know, now that doesn't look so great. But I think, in, like, again, in the moment, I think people were just sort of, they didn't know what to do. And it was just, let's, let's recover and keep moving. Um, so, like, I know that there's people complaining that he should have been kicked out and, you know he shouldn't have gotten yeah. the award, but like I, I don't. I think that's that's asking a lot of people who are just like in a moment that they just are not prepared for and don't. You know there are rules for things like that in your world in sports, right? Like, yes. You know there are there are established and of course yes there are bylaws about. But you know it, in the moment I just don't think anybody was prepared for it. So there is a story the next day. There's a million stories, but one of them is that the Academy is going to look into this whole thing and do a thorough investigation. You don't have to. You know, there's no thorough investigation. The guy walked up on stage and punched the guy in the head. Yeah, that's really, there's nothing more to it than that. And they said, for disciplinary purposes. What? Who are we kidding here? What is the disciplinary purpose here? You're not going to take away the guy's Oscar. The guy earned Oscar on field of play A. This was field of play B. It has not. You can't take away his Oscar, right? What are you going to do? Um, well, they, you know, they they can suspend his membership. They can um, either te- temporarily or permanently. Um, they can make him. You know, they can they can they can um, remove him from the proceedings next year because you know we're already thinking about like what wow, he should what? host. What? He and Chris Rock should host next year, well, and they should do a round already... or two in a ring. But you know, that's of course, like yeah, I mean, so so there are just so many different um, realms of accountability here, you know, because he's got accountability to Chris Rock first and foremost, pers- you know, interpersonally. He has accountability to the organization. He has accountability to us, you know, to the audience. Because I mean, I, it really shook everybody. Like people were shook, and so yeah, I don't know. And then. The last thing I want personally is to his. I don't want to see his apology tour. <laughs> like I, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't need that ritual. Like yeah. that's like because that just feels like an extension of some kind of brand building thing, and that's gross. So yeah, I don't know. But you know, they did listen. They drummed Polanski and um, Harvey Weinstein out. You know, for past in for for, for past behaviors. Um, so like. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, they can. They actually can do that stuff. Um, 
they might very well. I mean, my understanding is it's pretty, like, people are kind of divided on it, you know? Um, uh, so it's it's just, it's so, it's just so depressing. I can't tell you. It's just, I hate it so much. It's really, it's really awful. Let me get to this. Let me get to what I was very surprised by. And, and this speaks to me and my age and how I view the world. Which one of the reasons I didn't bother to watch the Oscars, because in the first 10 minutes, I knew that nothing was being aimed at me. And there's no point in me watching. But anyway, Will Smith has been almost universally condemned. He's been crushed by women, just crushed by women for what he did. Somebody my age, somebody like me, thinks, well, I thought it was sort of chivalrous. Mm-hmm. And I, that's the absolute worst thing that uh, you can say, that it was chivalrous. So what do you think about it? I mean, he's he's been crushed. Well, that's, you know, Tony, it, it's interesting because I, 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 didn't, I didn't think it was chivalrous. That wasn't the word, but I understood it, I guess. I just felt like I did understand that. And that isn't to make an excuse for it, and that isn't to say, you know, I'm not, but I guess I'm, I'm almost, um, I felt throughout, as the night went on, and as I was expected to kind of put in my two cents, I felt like I was underreacting, because I just, I just saw a man pushed to the edge, who, who lashed out and acted out in a way that nobody would ever condone, of course, but I understood it. Right. I understood it. And, um... You know, it, is that is it a reflection? Look, my my kind of point was, this is the same show that just celebrated The Godfather in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> you know, this is a medium yeah. that celebrates that precise kind of violence all the time, and makes guys look heroic for it. And the way that they make men look heroic for that is because they're defending their women, you know, or they're defend or they're or they're avenging an assault on a woman or. So to turn around and be like, well, how dare he? It's like, what has he learned about being a man for these last 50 years? You know, not just in the movies and in culture, yeah, well, but in his... So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, like, I, I can't say that I admired it, but I really understood it. And so that's why I've been a little bit loath to pile on, you know, because it's like, again, a one-off... Well, he's been uh, killed. He's, he's been crying. I, I guess I should ask this. All of these people are so much more public than most people. How are Will Smith and Jada, Jada Pinkett Smith regarded? Are they regarded as a glamour couple? I thought that they, they had talked about having an open marriage. I thought there was some sense that they were together, but not necessarily together. And so I was a little bit surprised by this. Am I off base on this? I honestly don't. I know I don't. Yes, they have talked about having a... a, a an open and kind of non-traditional marriage, and by the way, which had been also the butt of a joke earlier, if you remember. Uh Well, you don't, because you didn't watch, but like, yeah, Regina Hall made a joke. So it could have been, like, I'm thinking, like, okay, and that's the other thing I want to talk about. Like, when did these become such roasts? You know, I mean, it's like, yes, of course, there's self-deprecation, and they they don't want it to become a complete exercise in self-indulgence and self-praise, but like, okay, you know, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, that was the second joke that night about, you know, about them. So that could have also been a factor. Um, but I've, also, I've always thought they were really highly regarded, you know, as a, as a, both okay. as a couple and as, as partners, as business partners. And, um, 
you know, I, you know, I know someone who worked for them for a long time and thought the world of them. And I, you know, I've never heard, I've never heard a bad word. But of course, I'm not really. My ear isn't necessarily always to the okay. ground, so I might have missed something. But I've never picked up any vibe that they're anything less than respected and okay. and liked. So the obvious question is, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, did you like the play? I mean, this is the Oscar telecast, and this is how you make a living, you know, with movies. Did you, it, it seems so totally overshadowed. Did you think the show was any good? Did you think the awards were correctly given out? Or, or in fairness, do you say to yourself, you know what, none of that matters, because the only thing that really matters out of this television show is that slap. Well, that's be, you know that in that you're right about the television show, like the broadcast yeah. itself. Um, I thought Amy Schumer, I thought Amy Schumer and Wanda Sykes were terrific. I, Regina Hall, I just I don't think of her as a comic, a comedian. You know, I mean, I think she's absolutely lovely, and I I'm a huge fan of her as a um, as an actress. I did not enjoy her bits at all, and and I just. It wasn't because of her delivery; it was because of the writing. I just thought that they were really bad. And but I thought Amy Schumer was a pro. The way she came. Speaking of coming, you know, she came back too and just kind of kept it going in a way that I thought was quite admirable. Um, so some of those things I thought worked. Um, the awards, I was, you know, I wasn't necessarily shocked by anything. I, it went pretty much as I thought it would go. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know me. I'm I'm a I like it when they spread it around and I kind of feel like everybody got a little something you know, Ken Branna got something for Belfast and, um you know Jane Campion got her director Oscar good for her and Will you know beyond Will Smith I really like King Richard a lot I like that movie and I'm glad it was represented even if it had to be in his <laughs> with him but um and of course Coda you know the most lovable movie of the year and the little engine that could. And it did, and that's always fun to watch, and it's a wonderful film. So, you know, I don't have any major beefs. I'm not a huge fan. You know, my one outlier moment is I, unlike all, pretty much all my colleagues, I'm not a fan of the foreign, the international film that won Drive My Car. Uh, three hours of your only life, you know, um, <laughs> on this on this really slow movie. So I'm, I, I thought it was kind of pretentious. But, yeah, that would probably be my only quibble. It was otherwise, you know... Uh, but listen, it wasn't the strongest of years. Let's just say it. Like it wasn't. It, I, there wasn't a lot that I would ever um, go to go to bat for in terms of just dying on a hill for a movie. Like it was not. We we need to get back to we we need to get back to baseline. Still, I think. It took Will Smith a full day to make an apology. He did not apologize Sunday. It took him till Monday evening to make an apology. He apparently, according to reports, danced the night away. Sunday night in a total, you know, frenzy of self-glorification. I, too, know some people who have worked with him. They like him very much. I don't know about what's in character or out of character, but they like him very much. What do you think? And he's a very good actor. Yeah. This isn't his first nomination. Yeah. What do you think happens to him? I don't know. And I will tell you, because, you know, like you said, I was was not in condemnatory mode at all in the moment and then when i woke up and i saw that he had you know that then i was like what yeah like that that did bother me um and you know frankly i thought i thought the academy's reaction because you know their first reaction before condemning him was just saying we don't condone violence of any of any kind and it's like yeah except in your movies but let's move on <laughs> and then they came back with a stronger <laughs> thing so everybody 
So it was kind of like, that's not a good look at all. Um, That did look arrogant and really, really just um, insensitive. Um, But, you know, again, though, think of it from his point of view. He just got a standing ovation in that room. That room loved him. That room, there was no reason for him to feel. But they love Chris Rock, too. I know, they love but Chris there was Rock no reason. Well. To, but but if you remember though, Tony, it, in that moment, Chris Rock, I didn't feel a lot of support coming from people for for Chris Rock necessarily. Certainly not in that room. You know, it, it, it was. I was like, gosh, is this some kind of like ranchers versus farmers thing with actors and comedians? Mm, okay. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe this is some long-standing, simmering, you know, structural feud between these two disciplines. Like That's we're not going to take your ribbing anymore. I don't know, but it was yeah. very. So so when you're well, you it know, goes it goes back to Ricky Gervais at the at the Hollywood. It could very uh, well be. Like what do they call it? Know, Hollywood Foreign Press thing. It, yeah, Golden, Golden Globes. Globes. Yeah, yeah, and, Golden Globes. And, and, and like I said, and things have gotten much roastier. You know, and toasted. Good. Like, they come in and they just, you know, like, they had said some rude things about everybody that night. Um, so, I guess if you're him and you are, you're seeing that and that's the reaction you're getting, you're just feeling like, well, I'm going to go party. You know, like, there's no, there was no um, opprobrium. You know, there was no I guess he has reason not to feel like he's going to be. And then he was. He was celebrated at that party, too. He didn't get the cold shoulder. No, so but the next day he got he got run that's over. That's when reality hits. Because I think that's he got when people realize, like, wait a minute, this isn't okay. Yeah. You know? Okay. Um, Interesting. I, it is. And, I, again, all I have all I have is sadness. You know, it's just like it's just, it just makes me sick. I'm so... Oh, it just it's really, really deeply upsetting on every level. Thank you, Anne. Well, thank you. Like Anne Hornaday very much. Didn't plan on talking about this stuff till it happened, <laughs> but what the heck. Thanks, Anne. Bye. Anne Hornaday, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We will have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. I'm so old. Joe Arrow is brilliant. <laughs> so good. He's just brilliant. That's just tremendous, don't you think? Love that. Love Joe you Arrow. You had me yes. taking pictures of the cottage cheese hole at my local Safeway this week, so thanks. <laughs> Plenty um, of 2%. I don't like 2%. <laughs> and t- and small, small curd. curd. Don't small losers. Like, yeah, losers, yeah, losers eat small curds. 
Bethesda Bagels. Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That's just about it for us today. Let me just say before we get to the mailbag, God said to Abraham, kill me a son. Abe said, man, you must be putting me on. <laughs> God said, no. Abe said, what? God said, you can do what you want, Abe, but the next time you see me coming, you better run. And so Abe said, where do you want this killing done? And God said, out on Highway 60. <laughs> the great Robert Zimmerman from Hibbing, Minnesota. Thanks to Ann Hornaday for being on the show today and telling us this whole thing made her sad. Yeah. No, I didn't expect that as a reaction. Love to talk to Ann Hornaday. Thanks to today's sponsors, Sunday and in Indochino. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. And we have a few emails about Lucerne Cottage Cheese. Oh, you still have some email left. I do. We always have some email left. <laughs> we never run out. Timestamp. These are current. Uh, from Carla Corrado, who we love. Yes. Columbus, Ohio. I was recounting the Lucerne 4% large curd issue described on Monday's podcast <laughs> to the person to whom I'm related by marriage. Per usual, he rolled his eyes and wondered what I find interesting about a one percenter with a 4% issue. Then came my David Aldridge adjacent moment. He casually mentioned that when he was working as an architect in Philadelphia, he helped design the Lucerne Dairy in Hatfield, Pennsylvania, with attendant warehouse, a warehouse in town. Mr. Tony, we have the plans for these structures and can determine how to break in, seemingly undetected. Heist all the cottage cheese you need, thereby killing two birds with one stone. If we carry out this caper, I will have my petty crime confession for the mailbag. In addition, while doing some background research to prepare for this adventure, I found out that, like you, Lucerne Cottage Cheese is in a Hall of Fame. The cottage cheese dis judges describe the product as creamy, lush, with pleasantly soft curds. Its clean dairy notes were highlighted with a slight saltiness and a nice tang. How great is that? Isn't that phenomenal? It's a cottage cheese hall of fame. <laughs> Who knew? From Brian Patterson in Indianapolis, if someone had asked me if a 13-minute conversation about cottage cheese, coffee ice cream, and prostate commercials would be of interest to you, I would have said absolutely not, until I listened to your high-quality podcast. Maybe we can get a code for a box of that. From Brandon Costello, right? Yes. Formerly Brandon Balka, but Brandon yes. Costello now. There's two, loves, Boca, there's two tubs of large curd 4% cottage cheese in a bag in your room. I'm going in to take a nap. When I wake up, if the cheese is on the table, I'll know I have a partner. If it isn't, I know I don't. Right from The Godfather <laughs> and Hyman Roth. It's lovely. From John Palmer. In Minneapolis, I recently lost my job after a new company I joined went out of business. It's the second business that's closed on me since March of 2020, Oof. leaving me to return to the unemployment line and to search for a new direction. Despite the challenges associated with these abrupt changes, it wasn't until I heard you tell listeners that you are, quote, not a Breakstones cottage cheese guy on Monday's podcast that I said out loud to myself, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> Thanks for the perspective. Great email. A shad haiku. Kornheiser demo, which is otherwise known as 65 to dead. I did say that, right? Yes, I That's believe. That's my demo. I believe, yes. OSIP from Jersey City. Reason number 100 on why I love this show. Arguably the biggest pop culture moment of the year happened Sunday night, and you spend two minutes on it, then 15 <laughs> on Lucerne Cottage Cheese. Yeah. From Katie Palfreyman. Hey, old man. Was that possibly the last container of your loved 
beloved Lucerne cottage cheese still sealed? Because if it was, you could have eaten it and savored the large curd one more time. How do I know this? I once rummaged in my old man's fridge in November and found some cottage cheese that had expired in July. I went to toss it and the old man said, it's fine, it's still sealed. I argued with him, but he remained unmoved. A few days later, he texted to tell me he'd eaten the expired cottage cheese and felt fine. That was two years ago. He's still alive, still eating cottage cheese. How old that cottage cheese is, I don't know. I stopped checking. Shout out to the one and only Kylene Q. Johnson. She got me hooked to this podcast, and I don't even watch sports. Who knew listening to people talk and rant about the weather and sports was just what I needed in my life? It's very nice. It was sealed. It was totally sealed. I'd, I'd be... I don't know. I'd be hesitant to sample that. From Henry Smith, an assistant professor in Johns Hopkins. Your ice cream rant has me thinking about Brigham's ice cream. Growing up in Boston, I'm your age, Brigham's was always the highest standard for ice cream. They did this, I suspect, by pouring their ice cream artistry into only four flavors. Chocolate, vanilla, coffee, and chocolate chip. In fact, Brigham's did not even have strawberry. Their chocolate chip was their de delicious vanilla with a sparse scattering of chips, unlike the other brands that drown their flavors with chips. We no longer buy Brigham's ice cream as there is no way my grandkids will eat any ice cream as pure and plain as Brigham's. Did you grow up with Brigham's? I did. did you know that? Yes. Yes, it's fantastic. Glenn Winters, the official opera composer of the Tony Kornheiser Show from Newport News, Virginia. Like all littles, I've been riveted by the unfolding Chekhovian drama of your quest to locate Baskin-Robbins' coffee ice cream. Here is my version of your predicament. I enjoy lint chocolate truffles. I flatly deny that it's an addiction because I could quit anytime I want. No problem. They come in a variety of flavors, milk chocolate, dark chocolate, etc. But the best flavor is mint, a creamy, ivory-colored mint center in a chocolate shell. For months now, I've invested time and gas driving around my town searching for the mint truffles. Food Lion, Kroger, Walgreens, every place where they sell candy. They're gone. Gone with the wind. Gone, baby, gone. Yet everyone sells the vile white chocolate truffles. I have the same contempt for white chocolate you express for cookie dough. White chocolate isn't even chocolate. It's overly sweet and bland. There. Got that off my chest. I don't, however, feel better. I'm sorry, Glenn. If you're out on your bike tonight, do wear white. You know what ought to happen to them? They ought to be stabbed by cocktail forks. Oh, my.